This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacey Rost. He's Jake Heaps. Have you already filled out your bracket? I haven't yet. No? And I need to. Uh, it's it's uh, pressing. I got to show you this. There's a there's a family uh, in Kansas. Okay, okay. Yeah, big Kansas basketball fans, and they have this really cool family room. But they have like a ton of space at like the top of their family room. Okay, mm-hmm. and they put a massive projector onto that space, and then they they have the bracket on there, and they tape around it with the blue plastic, oh, and they man. marker it up. Um and and have this giant bracket. Dude. I'll have to I'll have to post yeah. about it, but it's it's really really cool. So every year they do this bracket together as a family, and they just have this giant. You bracket need to tweet that out. out. Yeah, so I got I got to tweet that out. I've got to cool. check it out. Some people get so into it. Yes, uh, I know that uh, Danny took uh, UW pretty far. Uh, Brent took Gonzaga all the way. Not surprising. Longtime <laughs> fan. Um, I here's the thing. Okay, you know this is going to be good when she drops the here's the thing. Here's the thing. thing. I did not put UW moving past this round. I actually took Utah State in my bracket. Okay, all right. Which brings us to this segment. Um, But I just want to be clear. One of the more interesting things that that has changed since my uh, last conversation about this, that was with Curtis yesterday, we were talking about, um, whether UW has run out of steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be playing Utah State Friday in the first round. Um, you can't listen to Curtis. He's an Arizona basketball fan. He's, He's a hater. So biased. He's Just a hater. Gosh, so annoying. <laughs> but but one thing that changed is that uh, John Clayton had an interview with Lauren Kirschman from the Tacoma News Tribune, and she it said that, yes, Utah State is the hottest team in the tourney right now. Utah State's an interesting team. I mean, they're a very good team. They're the hottest team in the tournament. Um, they've won 17 out of their last 18 games. Um, they've won 10 straight games. Uh, they have a great defense. Um, so this could be a defensive matchup um, between these two teams. Um, Utah State has the number 11 field goal percentage defense in the country. Um, they're holding teams to 39.3%. Um, something that's interesting, uh, their junior guard, Sam Merrill, he was the conference player of the year, um, averages 21.2 points. Um, he also shoots 46.5% from the field. So that's something that that's a player that um, Washington is very much going to have to be aware of. Utah State's no joke. They've got a ton of momentum heading into the tourney. They've won their last 10 straight, which UW yeah. is coming off a rough season-ending loss to Oregon and then a second loss to Oregon uh, in the Pac-12 tournament. So what she did say is from the Pac-12 tournament, Lauren highlighted uh, UW's performance against Colorado. That game against Colorado, that second half, they really locked down. Um, and it looked like the kind of defense that they were playing when they were just absolutely frustrating teams um, in the early part of Pac-12 play. So it's still there. They're still very much capable of it. Um, and I think that's going to be really, really key for them as they head into the NCAA tournament to find that defense like it was that second half against Colorado and really just lock in like that. Because when they do, there's not a lot that most teams can do against them. I think for the fans, the UW fans that are worried heading into this matchup, that might be one of the more promising things you could take from it, that uh, that half against Colorado, they were the strong defense that yeah. people are familiar with. And 
is that the team that's going to show up against Utah State? Because if they can do that, and then someone like David Crisp can come out um, and they can get some uh, good scorers there and they can be consistent with scoring, yeah. you're looking at a different matchup. The, the thing that when you look at the Husky basketball for this year and the way that they have played, right? They, they have played incredibly tough. Uh, Coach Hopkins is really in, in, instilled into this team playing together mm-hmm. and, and you know really being gritty. And I've loved that, and I've loved watching that at different points. And the big, like the big concern that we talk about is the way that they're kind of limping into the tournament right now. And she points to the Colorado game and the way they were able to shut it down in the second half. They have that capability, and I've always felt that the Huskies in this Pac-12, you know, scheduling and this play and the way the season has gone is I feel like they play up and down to their opponents a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with that being said. You're now going into the NCAA tournament. You have an opportunity to uh, really, this is the first time you've gone to the tournament in a long time. And so there shouldn't be any pressure or expectations that should be weighing the Huskies down right now. They made the tournament. They've, they, this is a huge accomplishment for them. They should go in there, play carefree, and just go out there and play tough. And, and if they can do that, they've got enough scores on this team at different spots where they can be dangerous. The, the thing is, though, you go back to her first soundbite uh, about Utah State, is this team is incredibly tough as well on defense, mm-hmm. and they make things hard. And UW offensively just hasn't been consistent. There's not one guy that you could really point to and say, this is the guy that you can that he's going to carry us night in and night out. Yeah, there, It's really kind of by committee, and you just don't know who's going to show up that night. Uh, but look, they've got the right pieces. They've got pieces in place to make it happen, both defensively and offensively. I think you've come down to the word that means the most, and that's consistency. Can they do it consistently when it counts? And obviously they're going to have a tremendous challenge versus Utah State, which is going to be fun to watch. But if they're able to overcome that, can they continue to keep that going? And I believe they play the style of game that, allows you to make a run into the tournament if you can overcome a very disciplined and hard team like Utah State. Yeah, that would be interesting because I feel like the top critique I hear, even when UW uh, is functioning on the same page, is that defense won't take you all the way. Uh, that you've got to be, you've got to have some big scores, and you can't lean on that to take you into deep into the tourney because eventually you're going to need to put up points. You're yes. going to need to put up a lot of points. So it's interesting. I do think it'll be a fun matchup. Um, I think that, to me, Mike Hopkins uh, earlier today with Danny David Moore said the thing that, that you just mentioned. This should be fun. Again, UW hasn't been in the tournament since 2011. Yeah. This, I mean, <laughs> that's a long time. Long we just talked time. about it. You were still in college. Yeah. Uh, I was still recently out of college not trying to age myself <laughs> i know i graduated college that year it was a long time ago there were a lot of fashion mistakes made it feels like a, just a different time in my life that's the last time i saw the uw huskies in the tourney yeah it, it's incredible and and to hear your coach talking about that i feel like you know for for them being the pac-12 champs it's easy to be like well you know we've got a lot to prove we got a chip on our shoulder this and that and, really. and and hopkins is like you know what like, let's embrace the fact that we haven't been there in a long time. Let's play carefree. Let's not play with any pressure. There's no reason to. And and that's why he is the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. That is why he is a 
you know, rising star in the coaching world in college basketball. And and his approach, I think, will just bleed into this team. That's where, again, I think Utah State on paper absolutely uh, is the favorite. I, I think going into this tournament, sure. they're extremely hot. They're they're playing tremendous defense. Uh, they have a guy like we just talked about that they can rely on night in and night out to show up. Uh, and and the Huskies don't. They don't have that one scorer. Um, but if there's any team out there that has the length, has the style that can make it work, it's the Huskies. And they're really kind of the dangerous X factor. You don't know what you're going to get out of them exactly. each night, which is a really good thing. But and also, also incredibly re- stressful <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when you're a fan and you're watching it. Can you imagine if a doctor was like, you know, sometimes I'm great. Uh, other times I'm not really sure what happens. It just all falls apart. But let's go. Let's do this. It's like the Geico commercial. I'm okay. I'm just okay. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean you're okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, do you need to be the best? Oh, it's too good. No, I agree. I mean, when they get rolling, it's really exciting. I'm excited to see the matchup. I can't tell. one. Thing, Tom Wassel was... I love Wassel. I love Wassel. I know, Wassel. I know. Uh, we were talking earlier. Both him and G. Scott actually were... I don't want to say upset. Was he upset? Maybe he was. Um, that there wasn't more fanfare around the Huskies being in there. Okay. I don't know if it's because... So here's what I told him. Yeah. I said, even when Washington football was in the semifinals of the college championship, mm-hmm. I don't feel like there was a ton of fanfare. Really? I don't know. I it, I don't know if I'm right now. Well, Your surprise is making me second-guess <laughs> myself. <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot of Husky fans that have a ton of passion. I think what, what Washington fans don't understand is, is that it is not even close to the same scenario as the SEC, right? There are uh, – the fandom that is in that arena is just incredible. That conference just selling out every single game, uh, extremely loyal. Tennessee, for example, they sell out 100,000 – and they haven't been relevant in I don't know how long, mm-hmm. right? And the passion is still very much the same. I think it's same. just a different culture. It is. It's a different culture. It's a different vibe. So I think that there's a lot of Husky fans that were, you know, dialed in and excited and all about it. But but uh, the same craze I don't think is is there like we would see from the Seahawks being in the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, that to me has much more. It's more palpable. So I don't think you're wrong in saying that, but. I think that you know there is a there is a definite group that is all in. On oh, the for sure. Yes. I think my theory is that if the Huskies get past Utah State and somehow beat uh, North Carolina, my theory is that when they're a part of a national conversation, you're going to see a total change in the way that people talk about them. All right, we're going to get back to some Seahawks news later this hour. There's one player teams could have an eye on, and it's not Russell Wilson. That's coming up at 8.30, but first, we're going to get weird. Okay, let's get weird. That's coming up next. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacy Ross. He's Jay Keeps. That video is so cool. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta get this. I gotta post it for everybody. I did mistake. So they went to Kansas, but they live actually in University Place. Shout out to University Place. Yeah, University Place, Washington. 
Wait till yeah. you guys see this. It's pretty incredible. It's really, really cool. This is what I need. I would dedicate, even if I had a tiny apartment, I would dedicate an entire wall to doing this. <laughs> if you're a huge fan, if you're a college basketball fan and you're like, let's do this, let's go, yeah. it's well worth your time. Definitely. I can't imagine how much time it took them to do this. The video is 30 seconds, but it looks like it's it, over an hour. Yeah, it's like a time lapse, 30 seconds long. Um, but you know, I mean, imagine you, I mean, you were talking about, man, imagine the movies, the, the, the different yeah, shows that's that you the could thing. watch. On you that could thing. watch, imagine the Super Bowl parties you could have. Imagine the movie nights, scary movies. It's always scarier the with a bigger parties, screen. The bachelor parties, the bachelor viewing parties, right? Oh my gosh, Jake, right? you're so right. And I love that you thought of that. We are on <laughs> the same page. All right. Well, we're going to stick with March Madness because I've got some news for you. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. We're getting into some weird news. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First up, Warren Buffett. So he's done this before. um, And I tried to enter. And I got really confident. I was shopping online. I added stuff to my Forever 21 shopping cart. I was like, let's go. I feel good about it. Um, My bracket did not win. And I was still poor. But he's doing it again. He's offering a million dollars a year for the rest of your life. Uh, if you can correctly guess uh, all Sweet 16 teams, it's not even a perfect bracket. It's just the Sweet 16 teams. So you need half of it, Wow! basically. Uh, the thing, the catch is that you have to be one of his employees, which is still about 400,000 people Dang in it. this company that it's talking about. So I got us applications. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good. I'm so uh, excited. 710, don't worry about it. We'll this be back. Just, yeah. It's fine. This is just through March Madness. Okay? Honestly, we're doing this for all of us. We will spend some stuff for the office. It's fine. We'll get um, a frozen yogurt machine, uh, some stuff. We'll get puppies that Jim can play with. We can and ta- for we, River. Yeah, we could. We could. Uh, we could take a poll and see what the what crew, people want. Yeah, what they want. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's if my money and I want it, then I'm just gonna put what I want, and everybody's just gonna have deal to with deal it. with it and like it, right? I don't know. I'm going to get everyone. I heard Danny David Moore talking about how awful it is that someone microwaved fish earlier today. I'm going to buy an oh. additional 14 kitchens for <laughs> for the building so that every single person person can have their own kitchen. You can microwave whatever you want. That's right. I'm not the person that microwaved fish. I want to put that out there. I'm getting real defensive about it, that's but good. I just think it's important to say. Well, I think it is because whoever did that, that's not okay. <laughs> what would you buy with a million dollars a year? It's not even a million dollars a year, but you have to spend it in one day. I take it back. This uh, makes it more exciting. I don't know. In one day. Yeah. Gosh, you have to spend it all or it goes away. Okay. I I mean, that's that's a lot of, that's a lot of Amazon shopping right there. That's a lot. (laughs) Just trying to find random stuff. If you had to spend a million dollars a day, what would you do? Wow. My thing is that makes it hard for me is I'm so used to trying to find bargain things and the cheap version of things. Yeah, you wouldn't that, know what to do with no, yourself. No, that's what I'm saying. I would spend a million dollars at the mall. <laughs> like, I would go <laughs> to like really cheap stores, like H&M, yeah. and, and it would be just an insane amount of things. That's right. Well, I mean, hey, you're getting bang for your buck right there. I know. Well, we'll be able to fill out a great bracket because Bloomberg has an article about the science behind picking a winning bracket. This is very confusing to me, but I'm going to try to break it down. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. We need to get you a blank bracket for this. It's fine. We'll do it later. We'll do it on the break. Okay, good. Okay. So the person that did this uh, used factor investing to pick teams. It's a system that assigns stars or points based on a few different factors. 
Um, and he says, ultimately, the trick is to focus on the upsets. So he does five things. So you get a star for five things. Okay, this uh, this system already sounds very complicated. That's the thing which makes me believe it. You know when things sound, like someone <laughs> could be right. like, I'm a rocket scientist. And then if they just say something, I have no idea what you're talking about, I believe you. Yeah, well, okay. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay, what, what what is the list here? But you know what's really unfair? What? If they sound like they're from like New Jersey, the Jersey Shore. Yes. They could actually be a rocket scientist, and I don't. It would take me a minute to really believe that. <laughs> I'm right you know there. With, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not I would question it a little bit. All right. So number one is quality. So okay, quality. I don't really get what that means, but quality. Um, number two is size, which at first I thought was the size of the players. Mm-hmm. But that's not what it means. It's actually, think of it as like your, the sample size of what you've done. So your history of success. So, okay. so Duke would get a star there because they've had a huge amount of success. Um, Washington or Utah state, both of whom haven't been to the tourney since 2011. Yes. Um, they, they wouldn't. Okay. So, so, gotcha. so would, would, would quality be like the quality of wins that you got? Maybe. Okay. I'm not quite sure. Quality you get for, I think if you're just like a one or two seed. So it's it's already if you are like a top seed, just the quality of your team. Gotcha. So I'm going to say if you're filling out your bracket, if it's a one or two seed, they get a star. And if they've been to the tournament a lot of times, they get a star. They get a star. My grammar's on point. Okay, there we go. Number three is momentum. In this case, UW would not get a star Utah State gets a star. Oregon gets a star. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so yeah, you just go with momentum. Then you do value, so a favored team. So if Utah State is favored, uh, obviously you get your top teams in there, right? Virginia's right. favored. Duke's favored. Tennessee's favored. And then the last one is really interesting. You just add a star to encourage upsets. But it's really only, by the time you do that, because here's the thing. When you add a star to encourage upsets, you end up getting similar numbers of stars for teams that are within a couple rankings of each other. So this isn't, if okay. you did this system, a number 16 team wouldn't have more stars or a similar number of stars as a number one seeded team. But uh, he did this and he saw two mild upsets in the first round. So if this happens, I'm taking this as gospel. <laughs> number 10, Florida over number seven, Nevada. Mm, okay. That's the first upset. Number two, he took number nine, Oklahoma. I want you guys to know Jake is writing this down. Number nine, Oklahoma over number eight, Mississippi. And I think he assigned Virginia the most stars, so presumably he took Virginia to win it all. But, okay. yeah, so just some pro tips okay. if that, you're interested. That, that's good. That's good to know because uh, I'm going to write this down, and I'm going to add it to my bracket. And if he's wrong, then I'm going to be really upset with you. Get it right, strongly word to me. Uh, upset with you because you brought it to my attention. You I brought didn't it to the people. I invent this. I'm <laughs> I'm setting out just like a just simple explanation of something. I'm already saying I have no idea what it means. It's unique. I'm reading it from a piece Stacey, of paper. Do not defend yourself if you believe strongly in this. It's okay. I'll tell you how I pick teams. Okay. You either do for teams you don't care about. You do mascots. Mascot rankings, which mascot is better? That's a classic, a tried and true method a lot of people do. <laughs> That's why the Retrievers won UMBC over Virginia last year. Yeah. You better believe I saw that coming. <laughs> One of many people who did. Um, and then number two, okay. I just always take the better seat. The better seat. I just always count on that's that's legitimately what he says. Yeah. He's like, don't try to get fancy with your upsets. It is 
inc- it is so much more likely that a number seven seed uh, will be beaten by a number ten seed than it is that a number sixteen seed will beat a one seed. Right. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, obviously that uh, that logic uh, it makes a lot of sense. So. I will. I will definitely look into that. And then, if I ever hit a wall, then I will go to the. I will go to Stacy's theories, and I will start ranking. They're my not mascots. my theories. I'll go to my oh, mascot. The mascot. Theories. Yeah, the mascot theories. Okay. And then, um, but it's subjective. And then, what was the next one? Mascots and mascots. Oh, you can do anything. Oh, and you then the higher seed. Okay. Higher seed. Yeah. That's right. That's honestly, I I would gen- genuinely give that out as advice if you haven't filled out your bracket. Don't get fancy. Don't get cute. Don't try to think that you can just predict what goes on. I wonder how, so, you know, going back to the Warren Buffett thing, if I'm one of those employees, how long are you spending time on your bracket when you know on the line is a million dollars a year? The thing is, you could spend hours on it and probably have the same odds because it's so, he did this contest a while ago. I think the first time he did the contest, when I first did this, it must have been 2000, I don't know maybe 13, 12 okay. or 13. And it was originally billed as the billion dollar bracket. Yeah. So you would get a billion dollars for having a perfect bracket. No one won. Think of how many people entered that contest. Yes. And nobody won. That's, it's impossible. That is impossible. But the fact that you broke it down to the sweet 16, to me that feels like that's way more likely to happen. I think that you, I don't think so. I don't think anyone at 710 right now will correctly guess all 16 teams. Well, I, I'm not talking about 710. I'm talking about oh, 400,000 people in, in terms of doing it sweet 16. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's. That, I feel like those odds, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's that's pretty generous of Warren I Buffett. I really, really hope someone wins, and I hope that the person who wins I'm just the... guessed. Ju- they just did the Kyle Brown method, which yeah. is just kind of like, ah, sure. <laughs> I know that I would w- I would be overthinking, overanalyzing everything. That's a lot. That's a lot on the line there. All right, coming up next, we're going to get away from March Madness. We're going to get back into some Seahawks news with Big If True. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. Don't forget you can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up, we'll answer your questions on Ask Us Anything. So text the Coors Light text line at 710-710. That's coming up at 845. You can ask us any question. What's the weirdest question you think you've gotten from this uh, segment? I don't know. There's, 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 there's been a lot of weird ones. I mean, the the fact we had a weird one last time you and I were on, but it was also like the greatest question that ever. That question was amazing. And that question brought out a side of you I've never seen before, which was like, I have the right answer. That's right. Well, you just get, and it, it's subjective. We're, we're we're getting to learn each other, you know, here or there, and and you got to see the competitive was side scared. of me. It was what, what was the question? The it question was, was uh, which villain? Basically, which villain is misunderstood? Yeah. So um, I ended up saying Kylo Ren. And, From Star Wars. And Jake Heaps is sitting on his answer the entire time. And he goes, you go first. No, that's fine. You go first. And the entire time he's got this smile on his face like he's got the best answer in the world. Because I did. What was it? It was Darla, Darla from Finding Nemo. Name. I mean, hands down, the misunder- most misunderstood villain in any character, in any series, anything. We don't have to get into it again. Yeah, but no, It was pretty good, though. Any question goes. You can ask fun questions. If you have Seahawks questions, uh, go ahead and text that our way. Again, that's the Coors Light text line at 710-710. 
Right now, uh, we're going to get into one last trade rumor. There haven't been a ton of trade rumors. Um, last year, they were all over the place. But this year, I I just want to explore one. And I don't want to explore it as okay. a story per se, but mm-hmm. just as kind of a possibility to solve one of the Seahawks' bigger problems. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True actually stems from conflicting reports earlier this month. One from Jake Laser saying the Bills inquired for a trade for Frank Clark and another from Jason LaConfora that then denounced that claim. So I'm I'm a little less interested in exploring this rumor since we don't have that information. And by all accounts, the two sides are working on a long-term deal. They have until July to do so. Mm-hmm. But I'm intrigued by the idea of using a trade to acquire more picks. Seattle has just four this year, which is the fewest of any team. Um, would trading Clark be a mistake? It's a tough question. It, it is a tough question. Uh, you you kind of get into this uh, Khalil Mack, John Gruden situation, right, where everybody just lost their minds, and, and rightfully so, that John Gruden would not pay Khalil Mack and actually trade him to the Chicago Bears. Uh, unbelievable talent, game wrecker in the pass game and in the run game. Uh, and, and, and instead, he was able to require two first-round picks out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so with with that being said, I think it's something that you have to explore. I think if you're closed-minded about it, I don't think you're you're doing it right. And I know John and Pete, they, they field uh, these types of inquiries everywhere. And That's and, the thing is when we hear about trade deals, they've probably received a million about every other player. Yeah, absolutely. I mean last I mean a couple years ago they were talking about Richard Sherman mm-hmm. and they never ended up getting rid of him, but they but they fielded questions. For sure. Uh, I'm sure they get inquiries. questions about Russell Wilson all the time. Yeah, you know, so I, I think that that's something that they're definitely looking into and especially with the way and I think this all stems from the fact that Frank or his agent via Ian Rappaport came out and said that Frank Clark is not going to report to any off-season activities. Not to OTAs, which isn't really that big of a deal. He did that last year. And he doesn't really have to No a franchise tag player. He doesn't have to. He's not going to get fined for mm-hmm. it, right? He's not going to show up to mandatory minicamp. He's not going to even show up to training camp. He's going to do the Earl Thomas deal, and he's going to show up week one of the season. So with that approach, you do then question and worry about Okay, if we are just going to simply franchise tag him and not give him a multi-year deal, is this the best thing for our team? Mm-hmm. Right in the locker room, uh, for, you know, are we going to be able to get the best production out of Frank Clark? Should we trade him while his value is at its highest to get multiple draft picks? And they easily could. I, however, firmly believe that the Seahawks don't have a whole lot of room in this case. Uh, to be dealing Frank Clark. I think Frank ha- is a guy that you could give a multi-year deal to and feel very good about it and feel comfortable with it because he is an elite pass rusher, a guy that has a ton of talent and potential. He's still growing, mm-hmm. still he's young. He's only 25. Yeah, he's still young, uh, and he has emerged as one of the leaders in that locker room. So that that's why, to me, I think it's something that you're interested in hearing. And if you get the right deal, man, it could be really tempting. That's the thing. It's I think the only reason I'm entertaining this rumor and thinking about it is that it's a player that could give you the highest return right now when you have the least amount of depth 
On the flip side, that's the exact same reason that you wouldn't want to trade him. He's your top pass rusher. Him and Jaron Reed accounted for almost all of your sacks last year. And I think even if they don't reach an agreement on a long-term deal, and and I don't know, honestly, that they could agree on a long-term deal with Clark and Wagner and Wilson, but say that you only... Uh, stick with the franchise tag this year. I still don't think you should trade him. Yeah. I still think he's worth keeping around for that $17 million price tag, if only to help the guys that you have, mm-hmm. and because he's the best pass rusher on your team. I agree. And he's one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League. Like That's, that's the thing. It's really hard to get rid of a guy like that. And you would have to get an extremely uh, tempting offer, a high first-round pick, and and maybe a you know a third or... Uh, some other mid mid tier picks mm-hmm. involved with that, um, but you know that's the that's the type of trade that Frank would command. And in that situation, then I then I would be interested in it because the defensive line and especially the pass rushers, uh, there is a ton of talent in this draft, and you could go get a franchise different difference maker on a cheaper deal um, on a rookie contract versus you know paying uh, Frank a top market deal right now. So that's the only way that I would that I would look into that and really be okay is with if you them see someone in the that. draft where you're like I could get I could get a first round pick plus I could get this guy I like in the second round. Mm-hmm. I will say that's one thing that Joel Corey said in an interview with John Clayton uh, earlier this week. He said if you were going to uh, and this wasn't about trading Clark, but he said if you're going to essentially rent Frank Clark, you're going to rent his services for a year on that franchise tag. Yeah, if you're going to do that, this would be the year to do it. Um, because this class is so deep um, and one of the deepest that he's seen in a couple of years that you could find someone. The Seahawks only have four picks yeah. that even if they trade back, you could find someone in the second round, um, at least the late first round, that that could have gone higher up in the first round. And that's yeah. rare. It's yeah. rare that in the second round you could find a first-round pass rusher. It, it is very rare. And I think that you have to understand that um, – you have to understand that the direction of where they're going. And that's the thing that we don't know. We're not in those conversations. We're not in the building with John and Pete uh, talking about, you know, Frank Clark's future. Uh, So do they view him as a one year guy trying to prove it again? uh, You know, willing to franchise him a second time, or are they trying hard to, to get a multi-year deal done? Mm -hmm. And all the indication that we've had so far is that, yes, they are trying to get that done. So, uh, they value Frank as one of their big staples. That's the thing. It's only ever been positive stuff, whether it's Frank via Twitter um, or interviews that Pete Carroll has has given us when he said earlier as early as January, Frank Clark isn't going anywhere. The indication, I think, has been if we can reach an agreement, we will. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not behind the scenes, but we aren't hearing the kind of rumors that you hear when something's contentious. Um, this is actually interesting to me. Um, we have a couple questions. One from the two five three. Hey guys, if you could only pick two of the big three free agents, who do you pick? So this again falls into that same question that I have about. I wouldn't trade Frank Clark, but I'd wonder how long I could retain him if I wanted to keep Wilson and Wagner. Because I think if I had to choose, I I would go Wilson and Wagner. Absolutely, I, I would I would do that. You know, ten ten out of ten times, a hundred percent. That's uh, that's something that you can't miss out on those, like I said earlier, those two keystones of your offense and your defense. 
those are guys that you have to have, and they're they are your franchise guys, the faces of the franchise, and you know Hall of Fame, you know future Hall of Fame players. So you have to build around that, and sometimes you have to sacrifice giving up a Frank Clark and being smart with how they do it in order to gain capital and to get younger. Mm-hmm. And that's something the Patriots, time and time again, have continued to find ways either they let bad contracts go or they're able to trade their valued guys early and get draft picks and, and get you know uh, trade assets uh, that that uh, ultimately benefit the team moving forward. I'm just wondering, their formula to success outside of that strong run game and the all-pro caliber players on defense was being able to fit all of those players within the same contract window. Granted, that backfired when they had to start giving those players their third deals or when they had to pay Russell Wilson more and all of a sudden also had to pay a top-tier defense. Yeah. And they made a couple mistakes, which including letting uh, some top O-linemen walk, and then they saw how that worked out. But, but that key is also if you let someone like Frank Clark go, do you depend too much on hoping that you can get a a rookie or a second-year player to develop quickly enough to where you can also take advantage of the time that you have with either Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, some of those other players you have. Doug Baldwin's another player. Um, these aren't guys that are... You, you want those careers to be in line. You want the, the peak success of each of those players to be as close as possible as you can get. Yeah, yeah you fully agree with that. Um, and that's the part where this is going to get really interesting. And the one guy, right, that we, we talk about, Jaron Reed, right? Jaron Reed coming up down the pipe, like his contract, what are we going to do with that? Because he's going to be one of the top defensive tackles in the National Football League. No, it's tough. It's not an easy question for sure. I saw someone else say, what makes Frank more expendable? It's tough. I mean, this was like, it, it, it we were thinking about this earlier. This is, you could go either way. Frank is not expendable. That's why no, this conversation, that's why it's, hard. It's, it's really hard. You, It's rare to find elite pass rushers. But if you're going to move around pieces, right, Frank is one of those guys that you can get a lot of value for. Yeah. In this draft class especially, you can find people that, uh, this is one of the deepest defensive line draft classes that they've had in a long, long time. So you can essentially find replacements. Uh, but then again, like I said, how I followed this up very, very beginning. This is like the Khalil Mack situation yep. with John Gruden, the Raiders. You're not going to know how it pans out until a couple years down the line. And that's the risky part about it. If you were to go that route, I certainly do not. I want Frank Clark here on a multi-year deal. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's interesting. It's a debate that's going to keep going until they get that deal solidified, if they do. Um, so one more reminder, uh, text the Coors Light text line at 710-710 with your questions. We're going to get into that segment next on Ask Us Anything at Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. We are ready for Ask Us Anything Stacey Rost and Jake Heaps here waiting for your questions. We have a couple really interesting ones, and I'm really excited for this one um, so that I can make a clip of whatever answer you give and then uh, hand it out to everyone at the station. Why do you do this? (laughs) I'm a professional troll, Jake. You wouldn't know because I'm so small, but I'm so trolly. From the 253, what is the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you? The most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me? Honestly, I, I... I know this is such a lame answer, oh, but I, already I, know. I You're cannot. Say nothing. I can't. No, 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 not nothing. Because there's been plenty of okay, embarrassing okay. things. 
but I just can't think of one that just really stands out to me right now. All right, all right. You'll have to think of it later. Yeah, I do, because th- this is a good question. you gotta, you got to be able to have an answer to this. I know. One. The one I immediately thought of, only because I've been asked this question before, um, it, it's not going to sound that embarrassing to people, but for anyone that gets embarrassed by mess, mm-hmm. it certainly is. So mine was, uh, I went to the Seahawks facility my first year covering the team, and someone from the facility who was a friend of a manager that I had, so as a favor, was showing me where to park and just kind of helping me out because I was the only person there from uh, my workplace, so okay. I didn't know what to do. Um, and he was like, okay, well, now I'll show you where uh, where to park. We'll take your car. And I'm driving my sister's car, and it's a mess, and I'm already like, Oh no! Yeah. What do you mean? Take my car? We can walk. It's fine. We'll walk. We'll that's walk. right. That's right. But Stacy, it's twenty miles I know. away. No, no, no. That's fine. So he uh, he gets into the car. He's really tall. He reaches down under the seat and pushes the seat back. And I already know it's like the most basic girl graveyard of like Starbucks wrappers and chapstick <laughs> things and hair ties and probably like enough random like hair ties and hair to make a voodoo doll i know that's disgusting but i was mortified and i just had to pretend i didn't see it and then when we went back inside uh to talk to another person um he used hand sanitizer and i was like oh no and i wanted to explain it but who's gonna believe that what am i gonna say like there's really once he brings out the hand sanitizer after being in your car that's just there's no recovering from that it's bad oh it's bad oh that is bad uh from the 208, uh, if you're at a fancy restaurant, what's your favorite appetizer? Okay, I could go for days about appetizers. Rank your this, top three. This is a really important thing to me and my wife. Okay, it's uh-huh. it's it comes down to okay if they have if they offer free bread, right? Yeah. Complimentary bread or chips, like mm-hmm. we're in. It, that's that's really at the top of our. That's list. what makes Mexican okay? restaurants so good is the chips. Yes, absolutely right. So appetizers for us. Uh, fried pickles, okay, really good fried pickles with ranch, game for that. Uh, cheesy fries, every time. Cheesy fries, so good. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what about jalapeno poppers? Jalapeno poppers are really good. You know how it's really good jalapeno poppers is the ram. The ram has really Dude, good Dude, the ram jalapeno. has some good appetizers. Yeah, they've got some really good jalapeno poppers. I uh, usually go there to watch basketball, and just all I order are just a ton of appetizers. <laughs> just go through Yeah, them. those are really good. Uh, you know, if you get like a really good, you know, buffalo chicken dip sauce, like that's that's always really good. I don't know. There's 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 some really good appetizers out there. Um, from oh, from our guy Kendall, what what Hogwarts house are you? Easy Gryffindor. Like I think you actually would be me. in Gryffindor. Yes. Have you ever taken the test? I have on not. Pottermore? I have not because I'm nervous that someone else is going to sit, that they're going to say that I'm not in Gryffindor and then break my heart. I think it's just like a computer that figures it out slash magic. Yeah. Here's the thing. I would like to think I'm in Gryffindor, but I don't think I actually am. I actually had to create okay. four separate emails on Pottermore so that I could get, <laughs> so that I could get, finally the fourth That's... time I got in Gryffindor and I was like, yes! There you go. There you go. Got four it. Ta- four I'm times not going to say my first house. What was the first one? It rhymes with Flytherin. Oh, no. I'm not proud. I, I would not I know, expect that. I, I thought know. you were going to say Hufflepuff. I'm totally Hufflepuff and I yeah. don't want to admit it, but I am. <laughs> bad. All right. Uh, let's see. From the 360, I don't have an answer for this. I want to see if you do. What canceled show needs to come back? Okay. First, 
It's more of a show that just kind of had to retire, but 24, Jack Bauer, that was like when TV was at its greatest. I see you, DJ. I see the reaction back there. Just thumbs up from DJ. Absolutely. You know you hit it on the nail. But one that was canceled that I really enjoyed was Lie to Me. I don't know if you you saw that one. So it's uh, Dr. Cal Lightman. And he studies the the uh, you know facial expressions and body language and tone to yeah. be able to decipher if you're lying or not. Oh. And so he would you know get these people in legal situations so like or Sherlock terrorists Holmes. or whatever, and he would break down who was lying or not. And, and did it, it end on really a cliffhanger? Good. I can't remember how it ended, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then you know like me and my wife, we'd be looking at people asking them questions and be trying to read the facial expressions. See, that's the hardest thing is when a show gets canceled. I can't re- totally remember the name, but I think it was called Flash Forward. Okay. And it ended on a cliffhanger. And then it was just never renewed. And I found myself like Googling to try to figure out what happens. But who knows? No one knows. <laughs> I don't know what I thought I would figure out, but whatever. Um, let's see. From the 253, what's the dumbest thing you were taught or believed in while you were in school? I'm Mine immediately I know is going to be DJ, you might be a little too young. I'm thinking because I don't think this was a thing that lasted much longer after I went to school. But it mm-hmm. was when the food pyramid told us we needed six servings of bread a day. Yes. This is insane. I can't believe that there was a time in my life when I was like, yeah, six servings of bread, three servings of milk, like maybe some vegetables. Let's go. That, <laughs> what? This makes no sense. This is so unhealthy. Why was this our food pyramid? Why did we think this was how we should eat? This was not a long time ago. This was the 90s, the late 90s. This was maybe 2000. And we thought we should have six servings of bread a day, that a child should eat that. Now I know why I was a chubby kid. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah, that's great. I So I don't have an answer for this, but going back to uh, most embarrassing. Okay, yeah. so I was at BYU quarterback. Like I was starting quarterback so going into my sophomore year. And I was getting asked by a reporter. You know, I was asking questions by a reporter. And all of a sudden he asked me, do you have um, Bieber fever? And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, Bieber. I was talking to your wife about this. Yeah. And I couldn't lie because we had just seen the Bieber movie. Oh, and no. Kind of then afterwards, listened to the music, dabbled a little bit when it was very unpopular Just to do at the time. Admit it. And I had to admit it, and it was embarrassing. I do you still have Bieber on, in your iTunes? Do you yes. have a lot of Bieber? Big I do fan? have I do have some Bieber. He had in some there. bangers come out. He did. I'm he gonna did. say but his it was later like, stuff was but good. like I said, the later stuff people started getting on board. This was like before that was okay. That's tough. Yeah, it That's is tough. tough. Uh, last question. I'm deciding between two because I really like them. Um, from the 206, what's something you're proud of but can't add to your resume? I'm going to take this as what's something that you are really good at that has nothing to do with your job, but you're like, <laughs> I wish people could know I was so good at this because I'm so good at this. That's right. That's right. Okay. What is it? Mine, well, mine it isn't funny or exciting, but I am really good at decorating and organizing. Okay. Like, I really could. If it's a you great were like, skill. yeah, if you were like, this is my house. And I have um, like $500 to spend to try to make it as nice as possible. Mm -hmm. I could find a way to do that. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I I mean, that's a great skill to have. I mean, I guess I would say optimism. 
Okay. I'm a very optimistic person. Like, I, I always want to see things in the positive light. Like, I don't want to... You could be like even... an optimism guidance counselor where someone just pays to like... You know how you have puppy therapy? Yes. Where you can pay to have puppies brought to your office? They pay to bring you to the office. And you go and you hang out with someone who's having a bad day. And you just tell them... You hey. might have just come up with a tremendous idea. This is... Now we need to find if Warren Buffett has this job opportunity available <laughs> so you can get in there. That's right. And we can fill out these brackets. Fill out the brackets. Any which way I can get in there. Please. Jake and I really need to get a million dollars a year for the rest of our lives. That would be incredible. It's important that we do that. It is. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Don't forget, you can hear the Mariners opener right here on 710 ESPN Seattle with pregame at 1.35 a.m. and play-by-play at 2.35 All those hardcore fans staying up for it. We'll have it right here. We'll be back again tomorrow at 7 p.m. Until then, thanks for hanging out with us tonight and for tuning in to 710 ESPN Seattle.